Oh, <clears throat> without a doubt, if you are not an optimistic person, do not choose farming as an <laughs> occupation. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 144 of the Commando Voice. Today, I speak with the founders of Hazel Blue Acres. Please welcome Karen and Spencer Fuentes. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, how is your guys' week going? I uh, hope things are going well. Um, uh, I feel like this week has been, I mean, maybe over the last few weeks, uh, has been like a little heavy. Uh, there's just been some uh, friends and some stuff that's gone on and, and then pers- you know, families, you know, in- internal, not family, but like stuff to our family that's happened. And it's just ugh, like you're a little bit like down. Uh, and I try not to be that for the, you know, my team, my community, stuff like that. So I am, <laughs> I do apologize that I'm a little bit down today. Um, but um, all that being said, thankfully I recorded this podcast well before all of this. So don't worry, I was not uh, sad and depressed in that as well. So uh, anyways, I try not to be down, uh, but it's just been kind of a rough couple weeks. So that's been, uh, that's been our life. Um, hope your week is doing better than that. Um, uh, and then the other thing I want to mention is if you aren't already, uh, be sure to follow me on the, at the Camino voice on the Insta or the IG, uh, you know, Instagram, that thing. Um, I don't know what the kids call it these days, uh, cause kids aren't on it, I guess. Um, anyways, follow me on that, <clears throat> uh, at the Camino voice. I'll have a link to it in my show notes just for you guys to be able to follow me there. But, um, I'm trying to do like a little mini challenge for myself. And so I'm going to try and post at least three times a week for the next month. So for four weeks, three posts. And those posts aren't going to necessarily be post posts. Like, uh, like that's going to be like stories or – and they're going to be very random because I'm just trying to do three things. So uh, they're going to be all over the place. Um, and spoiler alert, I did my first one last night, and it was really weird. Uh, so be sure to follow me there for more weird stuff. All right, here we go. Uh, so today I am interviewing Karen and Spencer Fuentes, uh, who are the founders of uh, Hazel Blue Acres uh, Blueberry Farm. And they are, I mean, it was great listening to them and hearing them uh, and speaking with them. Uh, farmers are always um, inspiring to me because of, uh, I, I alluded to it in the intro of this podcast, but they do such a, they have to work so hard to accomplish what they're doing. And then most of what they do, they don't have control over the other part of it, like the weather, the markets, you know, insects, anything. Like anything can affect them very negatively and yet they have to keep pushing forward and they have to do this really hard work and continue to do it day in and day out with just that optimistic kind of out view. And so that's why I loved, I pulled that line out from Spencer because I thought that was so great. I was like, yeah, that I think sums up being a farmer. Like you have to be a constant optimist if you're a farmer. And uh, so I had a great time talking with them. Um, 
they go into how they ended up how they ended up starting the farm uh, and how they had no experience at the beginning and how they just continued to grow up from there. So uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Karen and Spencer Fuentes. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with the founders of Hazel Blue Acres. Welcome to the podcast, Karen and Spencer Fuentes. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Karen and Spencer. Well, we we have the farm that Spencer grew up on. Okay. And it's changed quite a bit over the years. It started as a dairy farm. We both grew up on dairy farms. I grew up on Fur Island. Okay. Up near near Conway. And he grew up right there on the Stillaguamish. Nice. Nice. So Spencer growing up, was that something you were ever thinking about like keeping the farm? I think that growing up on a dairy farm was one of the greatest ways to grow up there was, especially in that particular location. End of a dead end road, surrounded by the river, a lot of freedom in that era. And uh, yeah, I I guess I thought that I would be a farmer for quite a while. And then uh, when I realized that there was life other than farming, you know, when I started going to college and uh, and I and I was going to college up at Sketch Valley College to be. I was taking some ag classes there, and okay. with the thought of becoming a farmer, but uh, life changed. Yeah. Okay. And then it changed back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there and back again. Very cool. So, um, what was for uh, Spencer then? For growing up there, did you have siblings? A lot of siblings. I did. I okay. did. I had. Uh, uh, there was a family of five children with three brothers okay. and one sister and I'm the second oldest so okay. uh, you know a fair amount of responsibility uh, learned to drive a tractor practically as soon as I could walk and, and, and you know working on equipment doing all those farming kind of things that, that uh, it's very easy for me to take for granted because they were just part of my life right from the beginning um, and as I grew away from it, I realized it was probably uh, a pretty special way to grow up. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So for you, Karen, then growing up, um, did you have a lot of siblings on the farm? Yes, I'm one of five also. Okay. Two brothers and two sisters. Okay. Two older than me and two younger, so. Oh, wow. You were right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. We had all of our jobs on the farm. We had a Jersey farm, and uh, but maybe not, I didn't have as much responsibility as Maybe he did there, but we all had our, our role to play. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And for you growing up, uh, you said you were on Fur Island. How was that growing up for you then? It was a pretty wonderful childhood as well. I'm, I mostly had both parents at home and uh, got to be outside a lot. And Well, I grew up along the Skagit River, so him yep. along the Stillaguamish and me. So we had very similar beginnings, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So then, um, as you guys were growing up, was it something, um, was, was I, I know Spencer, we were just talking about you were, you went to college for ag and stuff, but for Karen, were, was that something you were interested in that you wanted to continue on? Or were you, as you were getting older, were you thinking, I really want to do something else? Or? I had other plans. Um, I always was interested in farming. That was my, I also worked away from my parents' farm. Uh, okay. For a farm on Fur Island in the in the berries, not blueberries, but raspberries okay. and strawberries. 
for Shirley and Nolan Lee were their names, and that was a great summer job for me. Uh, but I was going to college with, I guess my first goal in college then was working toward going to seminary to be a pastor. Really? Okay. And then I went a little different direction from that and had some different jobs, but I went to, I'm a cooking school dropout. I have a, I have a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, but then I finally got my degree to be an elementary teacher okay. at Western. Got it. Okay. So um, did you end up teaching elementary then? Yeah, for a while here in Cabano. Oh, really? The first year that Elder Bay Elementary was open, oh, I, was wow. a, I was a third grade teacher there. Okay. And that's the same year that I met Spencer on a blind date. Okay. <laughs> nice. How was the, the first date? Because now knowing your guys' background, as you guys were probably explaining background and stuff, what was that like for you guys? I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was in Stanwood. We met a mutual friend set us up, and uh, we were at the Veracruz Mexican restaurant that used to be there. Yes. Downtown. And I liked him right away. <laughs> but she knew we had similar interests and things in common. Okay. He had something he yeah, wants to say about it, too. <laughs> we were set up by a, a friend from Sylvana that grew up on a dairy farm. And, it, <laughs> you know, so it, there was a whole lot of those dairy farm connections. Um, and my yeah. brother set her up with her husband. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so and doing the, returning the favor. I, in a... <laughs> Back to the school thing. I never, uh, so I don't have all of the credentials that Karen has. Um, <laughs> my my path diverged somewhere there in the, my second year of going to Skagit, and I had taken a dairy science class and soils and horticulture, and I mean all those things are interesting, and I liked school a lot. I mean the the, the learning of things, and um, you know I was taking uh, calculus and other stuff, and. The learning was great, but the sitting in a classroom wasn't so much. And yeah. I think uh, I, I went off and became a commercial fisherman in that, okay. in that uh, second year there. Um, I wanted to go to Alaska, and a friend of my brother's uh, said, uh, get a job on a fishing boat, and you can go for, for, to Alaska for free. And I said, really? <laughs> I had no clue whatsoever. So I, uh, yeah, I... I beat the docks and asked for a job going to Alaska and you know the first boat that uh, hired me with that I, I had a job offered a, a fish on a boat that didn't go to Alaska and I said nope I'm going to Alaska <laughs> and, and I took a job and uh, and that was I believe the summer of 86 and I've been to Alaska every year since okay I still own a fishing boat there that wow. uh, but that's how I I diverged from my college and farming path and uh, realized that I fell in love with the the being outside and on the water and catching fish yeah. and that stuff. So the 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 side the aside that we went down there, I knew Karen's brothers, cousins, and cousins and brother-in-law, all for a number of years before uh, I ever met her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I said, why didn't you think of this before, you guys? But. Oh, well, that's how life unfolds. Yeah. Well, that's great. And you, then you didn't have to work to get the approval because you're like, no, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, um, so in that then, when you, uh, what was your fascination with Alaska? Was there something like as a kid or something that kind of drew you that way or were you just always looking that way? I think that there was always an outdoorsy kind of um, element to, that I, you know, some hunting and fishing and, uh, and trapping and 
reading uh, in in that era, growing up in the 70s. I mean, I subscribed to Outdoor Life and Fur Fish Game, and my great uncle would pass on uh, his Alaska magazines to me, and so I would read them from cover to cover okay. multiple times, and just, you know, was fascinated with that life, and uh, n- not ever realizing the, the anything about the fishing, but the the frontier life yeah. in Alaska was kind of enticing, and so I wanted to go to Alaska, uh, and had for quite a while, and it just, it was, you know, a f- kind of a a fluke mention of this or that, and you, hey, go get a job, and you can go for free. And yep. One thing led to another, <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> and then when I met him, I was used to the idea of traveling, you know, for part of the year for, like, my brothers, my cousins, and my brother-in-law that he mentioned, you know, because sometimes people will say, oh, especially when we're first married, isn't that awful? And he's gone for months at a time, this kind of thing, but it wasn't a foreign idea to me, and... And I didn't, I don't enjoy having him leave, but I was used to the idea. Yeah. Well, and, and I think everyone has their different ideas of, I mean, everyone has their ideas of relationships, things like that. But um, once you start getting into the groove of things, like I worked swing shift for a while and that's a weird life to live because you're like seeing your spouse or family like half the day, mm-hmm. but it's during the time that they're in the middle of their stuff. Yeah. So you never get like relaxing time with them. But, like, eventually you get into the groove and you're just like, okay, this is kind of what we do. Yeah, I um, agree. So, and I think, you know, from farming and uh, my experience of just talking with other farmers and stuff, like, it's already, like, it's a hard life. It's not something you just do because, you know, you're going to make money or, like, it's, it's a passion. <laughs> um, right. So, you, you know, they're, you guys are already kind of used to hard work and difficult situations and, and all that, so. Um, so, and you, you mentioned in there, you said you actually, do you own a boat or do you just go up and through the same group that you've been fishing with? Um, no, I, I have owned a boat actually. Um, I bought my first boat four years after I started crewing on a boat up there and then, um, and purchased my Bristol Bay boat in, uh, 1993. Okay. Uh, and have fished there ever since, ran a boat, I think. I purchased it in the fall of 92 and, and have run a boat every year since 1993. So. Wow. Um, and part of that's what's the, you know, the the evolution of the fishing and the farming. I, I would go up fishing and then I would come home and be uh, in and my mom and brother and sister that were still dairy farming. Uh, in their eyes, I was... Uh, Footloose and and readily available to work on the farm, whatever needed to be fixed. Any you know, I was a, I was a, a a trained source of labor, <laughs> and, I, and so I did. I came back every year and I worked on the farm and I helped out. And uh, I mean, I, I I would things would break and I'd come home and fix them because I've always had a a knack for fixing stuff that's broken. Um, yeah, and that came in handy. So I I never ever lost touch with the farm or there was there's never been a year where I wasn't involved in it um so then um you know the the fishing enabled me so that when when my mom was uh gonna retire and sell out um and the one brother that I had that had continued in dairy farming had moved to Wisconsin and bought his own farm there oh okay uh so my other siblings were either uh not interested at the time or not 
able to buy, you know, the farm. So I, uh, I think that was in 1998, I purchased the farm from my mom. That was okay. before we met. Um, yeah, oh, so okay. before we had met, yeah. And, and then, you know, that began plant, plotting and planning. Yeah. So what was it for you then that kind of changed your focus from keeping at a dairy farm to moving to, to berries? Um, I had wanted to plant, I, I, I wanted to plant blueberries for uh, a long time. Okay. Just because I like them. Yeah. I mean, there's so, <laughs> and then there's the uh, whole concept of having a business plan and, and an idea of all of the structure of things before you start on any venture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been to a num- lot of planning, numerous, information, numerous, me, you know, seminars, classes, and they talk about that. I started just basically with a passion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and knew that I like blueberries, so why shouldn't everyone else? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and, 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 that, and that, so there was that. And we had had some blueberries growing up on the farm plants, and I knew they would grow there in the okay. soil and everything. And um, so there was a combination of that. And the, the other crop we grow is our hazelnuts that we've planted. And we don't commonly referred to as filberts here but they're the same thing hazelnuts is, is a european name for filberts but, oh uh, i didn't know that uh and and so they were the two things that i had wanted to plant um and once i owned the farm my mom couldn't say no <laughs> <laughs> and i said i would go along with it okay <laughs> which was pretty crucial <laughs> kind of a big deal yeah so yeah i met karen in 2001 2000. Oh, yeah, it was in 2000, and we got married in 2001. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, so for you then, Karen, uh, you had grown up on a dairy farm. You had kind of been teaching and doing other stuff. Um, as this was all coming about, was that something where you were, did you continue teaching after this, or were you looking at, like, this is going to be the main thing that we're going to do? After we got married, I had had a, a non-continuing position, a year-long position out there. And so then I was looking at the next year what that would look like and we were getting married that summer and so I started substitute teaching because I didn't want to start in a new school a new grade a new marriage everything at the same time (laughs) so I really enjoyed subbing yeah that was a nice way to go you know one place one day and switch it up the next day that kind of thing and I kept doing that for a couple of years once we were married and then once we had our oldest child then um, I didn't substitute anymore for a while Mm -hmm. and then I did a little bit several years ago or years later and then now the farm takes up plenty of time and that's (laughs) that's not something that I have time to do right now yeah so so you guys were just kind of getting the farm going then and then you had kid you know your first kid um what was it like for you guys then were you was the farm still um very much like just something that was kind of a side thing that you guys were doing on the side as well um, what was it kind of like back then? I'd say on the side for a couple of years, wouldn't you say corn and grass for hay was what was going on? Yeah, we grow other crops too. And, and you know, so we have, um, having a background in dairy farming, and this is, this goes back to the starting with a passion rather than a plan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the foibles, the, uh, the pitfalls. The learning curve. Um, Having a background in dairy farm does not make you a blueberry farmer. 
I get one hundred percent. We knew how to grow, you know, forage for cow feed, that kind of thing. I mean, to grow up doing that. Um, perennial crops are a different animal completely. Yeah, different uh, thing, and so. It was uh, it was definitely a side thing, and we started out with uh, we we ordered uh, the plants in 2006. I'd gone to some uh, blueberry growing classes in 2004 and 2005. Went to one down at Corvallis, Oregon State University, that was a, a couple days that was specifically organic blueberries, and so these plants we ordered them and they came in in one gallon pots and they were just little tiny plants Mm -hmm. that weren't going to produce berries for the first three years you would strip the blossoms to get the plants to grow and then that first year uh so that was this this started in 2004 okay the idea two little ones ordered the plants in 2006 they we got 13,000 blueberry plants and in September of 2008, <laughs> planted them. They grow for. Uh, we, there was a there was a little minor flood disaster in there in that in the interim that caused more work. But you plant the put the plants in the ground and then don't harvest anything until 2011. So there's a lot wow. of upfront costs yeah. that you're not recouping. So I'm continuing to fish and I did uh, some carpentry jobs on the side i mean there's all these things that you have to do to still have a living yeah and you know keep farming and doing all that work yeah and that first year we harvested was it about 1800 pounds sounds right yeah wow so we picked these bushes that were barely knee high or a little more uh you go out and it seems and that seems like maybe a lot but it was a lot of work just to get a very small amount i mean we've had 1800 pound days now Okay. Uh, <laughs> where in one day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. With hand picking, um, or and more than that, probably maybe double that <laughs> in a day. And okay. that first year, it wasn't. Uh, it was a crew that we yeah. had of some youth, yep. some neighbors, some adults. It was yeah, not a you pick. Yeah. With we had the goal of doing you pick eventually, yeah. but that was just checking out what they were going to do and and making yeah. sure we got yeah. them picked, kind of a thing that year. Yeah, but. You know, there in there's the difference between growing up in a dairy farm where uh, the milk truck shows up. You, you you produce a product. Yep. The milk truck shows up and hauls it away in bulk, and it's gone. Yep. And somebody else is doing the the marketing, the processing, yeah. uh, holding it, storing it, all of those things. Um, so it, it was a good thing that our, that first year we only picked eighteen hundred pounds. Right. Definitely. Because. And, and as in subsequent years, the growth was just gradual. Yep. And we have developed markets and marketing skills yes. <laughs> that we never knew we had. And maybe. Uh, and we have room for a lot more growth in that you area. Know, <laughs> learn to build a website, learn to do all kinds of things. And so that taking passion and using that as energy to get started is is great but the follow-through was the the key thing because yeah as, and as a team i mean i wouldn't have been, ever been able to do it without karen yeah so, yeah that's awesome and i would say that the part that i played while he's in alaska i wouldn't have been able to do very well without his farmer mom and my farmer dad coming alongside us and encouraging and helping and um we've had a lot of 
assistance in the in the whole project along the way. Don't you agree? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few things falling in the background. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, I, I think what's fascinating to me. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, with podcasting and then researching in business and stuff like that. Like the 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 fundamentals of farming are one fascinating to me because I think the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into getting a farm up and going um, and doing all of that work is so countercultural to what we live in today. Of hey, I could throw this product out and then maybe it'll explode and go viral and you know it explodes. Or it'll flop and then I just try it again. But, like, there's no this sustained, like, effort in one direction. It's running a million directions at once and hope that one of those things goes. So um, the, the work to get it to where you're at today is just, it's always inspiring to me to, like, talk to farmers and just, you know, the passion that you guys have and the ability to continue to see what you want it to be. But you're starting with raw land, raw dirt. You know, not even a blueberry, you know, no blueberry plants to start with and then building into that. So do you think for you guys, I know it was a, a passion project, but then in that, what is it that just kept kept you guys going as, as you hit those uh, roadblocks and things like that? Oh, <clears throat> without a doubt, if you are not an optimistic person, do not choose farming as an <laughs> occupation. I mean, there are, I mean, whether it's a, you know, a perennial crop that you're going to plant and, in, and invest uh, a substantial amount of money in and not see any return for, you know, seven to ten years where you, the, the payoff point, um, or even, you know, going out and planting uh, beans, peas, corn, uh, you know, leafy greens, uh, root vegetables, squash, all those things you put in the soil and then you hope and pray for uh, rain at the right time or sun at the right time. <laughs> and I mean, you have a season at, at the very minimum and, and there are crops that are two-year crops that y you hope to not have flooded out. And yeah. So it, you, it's like going to the casino over and over again every year. <laughs> and, you, and, uh, and you hope that the crop will produce. And, yeah. then, and then beyond that, as a farmer, most farmers, the vast majority, have no control over the price that they receive. So they, first they hope for a yield, something to sell. Yep. And then you hope and pray for a price. So there's so many things that farmers have no control over, yeah. whether it be market conditions, uh, weather, you know, all of those things um, that if you are not an eternal optimist, <laughs> you would never make it as a farmer. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What about for you, Karen? What were, what were things that helped you keep pushing through? Well, with the blueberries, you can pretty much count on another crop coming, so you better get ready for it. <laughs> and not always. We've had we've had uh, what, oh, a, a couple yeah. of years ago. We had a freeze in yes. April that struck like one of our favorite varieties of customers, uh, and we lost a third of that crop. It was a low spot yeah. in the field that didn't. I think it just didn't get the air movement during the freeze, yeah. and yeah, I mean that that there's. 
pollination. Um, you know, you, you, people hear about bees and yeah. all that stuff, and they think, yeah, they, it, you hope. With blueberries, you, you just there's always hope. Yeah. Well, even if it's a small crop, I still have to do the legwork to get them picked, yeah. sell them, bring customers. Um, and we've had some, we've had some neat experiences uh, with people helping us along the way. I think about when uh, Tristan Classic did a promotion with us. Yeah. Way back when we just had a little trickling of customers coming to pick, and yeah. and he came alongside because we had sold blueberries mm. to him, and he said, "Hey, would it help if I let my customers know that on this particular week?" Um, classic customers get a little percent off at yeah. Hazel Blue Acres, and we said sure. And wow, they came. Nice. And we were, it was another big learning curve. Like wow, okay, what do we do when people come? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and we're thankful for just neat ideas, people like yep. that, like Tristan, that that took us to a, a different level. Yeah. You know, and then building upon that, but. Yeah, like I said, no matter what size crop you have, there, there, there are things to do. They've got to be picked. There's, I'm a hiring. I'm a, I hire kids. Yep. I have to figure out how to sell them. Packaging. Yeah. Um, yeah. She is the HR department, the marketing department. <laughs> you know, the accounting department. <laughs> All wrapped up in one. Well, yes. And then that's been an interesting saga just over the years. When, and I usually find that when we need some sort of person for a job we have been able to find uh the right person um i'm thankful for that i'm learning how to how to manage youth because we can hire uh, kids as young as 12 yeah and so for a lot of people that's their first job yeah and by i haven't had to do very much advertising at all for that over the years because people share with others that there's a need and um, let people know that there's a job for teenagers out there. Yeah. And so we've got a great uh, right-hand person named Jordy that helps us with all kinds of computer things. And so it's nice over the years as this huge learning curve that continues and I'm sure will never end yep. um, that somehow we get matched up with the right people so often and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. So I always like to ask people, especially if they're working with youth that are, um, you know, in that, like that first job realm, um, over the years of owning the farm and bringing on these youth, have you guys seen a difference in the youth or are kids kind of kids? Ooh. Well, I mean, there, there are differences just in, within a group, you know, the ones that are really wanting a job setting a goal want you know it helps them to work harder if they have a goal because over the years we've had kids that are saving for a car saving for some electronic something or other and you can tell that that drives them yeah so i like to ask them what kind of goals do you have is there something you want to save for what do you hope to get out of this job so i'm not sure if i would say over these years, really, last year was 10 years yeah. for us of harvest, yeah. um, that I've seen youth as a whole change, but you're working with a whole bunch of different personalities, yeah. and so it's 
interesting and kind of fun to see how to uh, give them incentives to help me harvest my crop. Yeah. And I tell them that this is a really, that I really rely on them. Yeah. It's a very important job. Yeah. And so it is not for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's nice when they realize it themselves before I have to say, you know, oh, golly, this isn't working out, you know. So. Yeah. um, And it doesn't matter their age, really. Yeah. In the span, say we have kids working from 12 to 18 or something. Sometimes the 12-year-old is going to be fabulous. Yeah. And maybe an 18-year-old, it's not for them. Right. um, There's no doubt that there's, uh, there's for sure a perception that, uh, as the generational changes, the millennials, you know, the the feelings of entitlement and all of those yeah. things that you that you read about, and do exist, but kids are still kids. Yeah, and it's funny how um, within uh, even within sibling groups, yeah, brothers and sisters, yes, you can still see that kids are kids because just because one sibling is a good worker blueberry yep. picker and all of that or retail it, there or is whatever. no and same parent same thing there's no guarantee that the that uh, their sibling their brother or sister will be or won't be or maybe better yeah um and i and it, so there's there's that uh I, there is a certain amount of benefit that everyone gets when they the 12 year olds that come and pick they yep. learn even if it's not their thing picking blueberries it's it's good that they they stick with it and some of them the, and the parents realize that so it, it it's one of those hard to quantify things of you know how much benefit they get yeah. um, and you, it's it's really great to see the ones that do thrive at yeah. it but our own kids don't like to pick blueberries that much <laughs> um, and they and we can see in them their differences and Yep. You know, one that is great at the retail aspect of it and interacting with customers and mm-hmm. one that has no desire to interact <laughs> with customers, you know, and then the other one that it. just wants to do very, you know, physical labor and drive track and do farm that work. stuff. So yeah. other things. And we need so, that too, so that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, so actually it's our, uh, our my twin's birthday today. So the oh. two girls, they're oldest and drastically different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so you just see yeah. that in like, the way they interact and think. And that's, yeah. I think the reason I asked that question is, is because of that. There is that perception that like, oh, kids, they don't know how to work today. And you hear, like I talk to business owners and parents and, and they'll be, they'll, they'll kind of spit that out. Like, oh, well, you know, kids don't know how to work these days. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like we've been able to find some great kids that do a yeah. fantastic job. Yes, I And agree. it may be true that there are less, Yeah, <laughs> but there are still really good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, totally discount them and, and I they, Karen and I oftentimes when our kids were little and we had you know when they were babies and, and you see their personalities develop right away um, <laughs> and we often we, we over and over come you know why did we assume that our kids would be you know the second and the third one would be just like the first one <laughs> yeah. when you know yeah. we were so much different than our own siblings but it's right. just like you think hey yeah. you know this one you know he likes this. Why? Why won't this child do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, well, I do want to say too that I hope on the farm because I get inspired if I see little things like someone drives up on the first day and I can see them out there. Their parents taking their picture on yeah. the first day of their 
first job. Yeah. You know? And I just hope that we're doing a service by giving them that experience. Yeah. And we do see, I get calls when, because it's seasonal work, we don't always keep folks forever. Yeah. You know, um, there are people that have to have a job in the off season and then that yeah. continues into the summer. But I hope that they've gotten a good training that serves them well in their future jobs. Yeah. And we get calls for references and it's kind of cool. You think, wow, they worked here that long ago and they're, yeah. you know, they're doing this and you see successes in their professions and it's, it's kind of a neat thing about it. And I have to remember those fun things if it's a day that I'm especially frustrated with what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, um, I mean, even when I was growing up, my, uh, when we were in college, um, Brittany was working at the, the bookie, which was like the book, the college bookstore, mm. um, on campus and in the cafeteria, many of her coworkers that she worked with, which were like 18 to 20, you know, 22, many of them, that was their first job. Yeah. And it's just like, with, with things, we just need to get people out. We need to get kids out into the work world sooner so they can start learning these skills, whether it's retail or finding out retail is not for them. <laughs> right. Or finding out, you know, you just don't know yeah. if you experiences. don't. Experiences. Yeah, if you don't get those experiences. Yeah, and it's, it's probably there's that whole uh, law of unintended consequences that, you know, child labor laws and things that were meant to protect kids mm -hmm. uh, are really good. Yeah. But maybe it's not been the best thing, uh, you know, limiting their opportunities to work at a young age when you can learn. Yeah. I mean, and, and we've seen that where, uh, you know, an 18-year-old comes and it's his first job and he's, um, maybe it's too late to, <laughs> to teach to teach a <laughs> work ethic. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> no, maybe, you know, maybe that. But... Possibly that was their personality all along anyways. Yeah. So, um, I, I do remember reading, there was a, a, a magazine called Hordes Dairyman that was published in Wisconsin, and it was all about dairy farming and stuff. It still and exists. Was, it, it does. It might, yeah. It, it does. probably does. It does. <laughs> See, that's, I'm a little out of touch with the dairy <laughs> industry. It was. Uh, I, I read an article a lot of years ago about that this mom wrote about uh, having to... Uh, worked so hard to get her kids to go out and clean stalls and feed calves and milk the cows and feed the cows and, you know, do that. And, you know, and I remember uh, being, I don't know, if having a certain amount of resistance that I had as a child <laughs> when, you know, I was forced to go and work. And, yeah. um, and her, the, the gist of the article was that not everyone is born with a really good work ethic. Yeah. Most of us have to learn it. There are people who I think just are born that way and that's yeah. how they're wired and they can't sit still and maybe that's too much the wrong way. But yeah. but most of us need to learn a work ethic at yeah. some point in our life. And it is probably like, a, maybe it's like languages. The younger you learn it, the yeah. easier it is to learn. Yeah, well, and I, I think what you're saying too, I think there's also... Um, some of the people that have that like really intense work ethic from a very young age, sometimes it's also like a, a, a whether it's a escaping or fear type thing where it's like they're trying to get away from poverty or whatever it might be. Because oh. um, I, I do know a lot of, again, in like reading business books, like a lot of these super successful people, 
came from nothing, and it was almost like they were running from that. Mm. They were like, I don't want to go back to that, so I'm going to keep moving this way. Um, But, you know, everyone kind of has their own different motivators of what kind of brings them along. Right. Yeah, so... We see yeah. growth all the time from the beginning of the season to the yeah. end with some people take to it right away, but others, it just takes a little more time. So, yep. Yep. And yeah, it's great there, when you see that. And that's that light bulb moment that when you, when you get it and you see that and I mean, you know, you're picking blueberries and you know, we have, there's a minimum uh, wage that, but they also get, they get paid by the pound. And so if you uh, fill your bucket faster and empty it and don't stand and talk for a little bit and then uh, and all and it's your paycheck great will to be bigger. see <laughs> that all of a sudden at the end of the day you know they, they you picked you know x amount of pounds yeah and that correlates to wow if i don't talk and i don't just you know lollygag around yeah. and if i hustle if i that hustle gets you more money yeah so there's a, a core direct correlation there yeah. and yeah, some people get that sooner than others, and we just hope that everyone eventually gets it. Yeah. Well, I love that. I, I wish more jobs were set up to be able to do that. Like, I'm always trying to think of ways to do that with retail and things that we're doing that somehow tying that paycheck back to what you're doing and how well you're doing. Um, and I love that in, like, farming that you can, uh, that you guys are able to tie that together so simply so that like people start getting learning that part of that lesson early on, because um, I think it's really important. So, um, all right. Well, the another thing is I was looking at your guys's uh, websites and stuff and doing research for this, and I came across some of the recipe things that you guys were doing. Um, and I, I don't know how recent this one was, but I found the one you guys did of the uh, the blueberry uh, chicken wings, mm-hmm. and it made me hungry just watching. It. <laughs> um, but um, where do you guys come up with the recipes and, and stuff like that? Mm, that was just this month. That was my April cooking demo. It's on the second Tuesday of every month. Okay. And we get to do them in person again now. Nice. Uh, we started doing them online when COVID started. <laughs> but um, in a way, that made it so that we could reach more folks with the demos because they were online. We have them on our website and on yep. Facebook. But um, I have customers send me ideas. I do love cooking. So I'm always looking through magazines and the newspaper. He shows me articles in the newspaper, you know, with recipes quite often. So that's sort of an ongoing quest for me. Okay. But we have products to be inspired by because I use either blueberries or um, sockeye salmon or hazelnuts um, I've done something with eggs too because we sell farm fresh eggs. I did okay. a, I did a angel food cake, which is a, a treasured family recipe on the Fuentes side. Nice. Um, and so, I'm I get them from a lot of different resources. I yeah. sort of collect cookbooks, and <laughs> so I'm always trying recipes. And just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's a good recipe. Well, it's that, <laughs> and then the thing, because my wife and I have talked about this, like. A lot of times you'll end up getting the recipe, or a lot of times recipes will come from the internet, like, in the end. But what's difficult is it's really hard to decide what you're going to, like, if you're meal planning or something. Like, cookbooks are so much more helpful in the sense that you're just looking, this recipe, no, that doesn't sound great. Oh, this one looks easy. Let's do this. And even if, like, the day of you're like, oh, I'm just going to Google it because that's easier. Like, if you didn't have the cookbook, you wouldn't have been able to meal plan that 
that thing. So I, even though we have access to it through the internet, a lot of times cookbooks are better because then you're able to actually like just rapid fire instead of like Googling like this meal plan. No, let's try a different one. Let's try this one. So. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully the, the cookbook, all those recipes have been vetted a little more thoroughly yes. and know that they do work. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I have, I am getting an eye for look, glancing at recipes and saying, I don't think that'll work. Or something that will work for your own use might not work for a demonstration. Yeah. Because I have to think about the timing and the tools and how to have something to present in the end for everyone. So, um, and sometimes recipes are very strange. Yeah. Weird ingredient order that doesn't match with how you do things. So, I've had quite a bit of practice because I think I started doing the demos in fall, late fall 2017. Okay. Uh, and it's a great way to bring people to the farm. We have a fun time usually. Yeah. And hopefully, maybe someday, I'll be able to put them together into a cookbook of some sort. That'd be great. A lot of people ask about that, but um, they're, all, they're all there on the website. Nice. <laughs> so then... Um, what are some of the weirdest recipes you've tried with blueberries? I did find one one time that I believe came out of the Costco magazine that was blueberry chili. Okay. It was delicious. Okay. You couldn't very clearly taste the blueberries, but I'm sure they made it more healthy. Yes. <laughs> it was it was good, but it was kind of funny. It was like blueberry chili. Hmm. So. Yeah. Very I mean, cool. And I think the thing with blueberries is uh, they add like a sweetness to it. But they're, um, and they are strong, but like, they, the flavor blends well. Mm -hmm. um, it, surprisingly, like, even looking at the, that video of you doing the chicken wings, yes. and it had spice, you know, chili, I think, powder or something spicy. It had right? several spices, yeah. yes. And I did talk about in the demo how you could do some of those things ahead. Because sometimes a person is daunted by a long, a longer recipe. Yeah. But when it's worth it, like, that was a very good flavored sauce, oh, barbecue so sauce. Yeah. And so I shared in the video that you could do this portion. If you're going to have a party or something, do this portion a couple days ahead. Do this one a day ahead. And then you just put it all together in the end. I want them to be user-friendly, practical recipes. Yeah. So sometimes I will discount a recipe just because I know, no, this is not user-friendly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we sample all of them, sometimes multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've that's put a few pounds of those on things. my family that's, it's with a, these demos. Uh, a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> and they are very brutally honest. They're like, like I tried a bar recipe this week that we're, we're eating it, of course. But they're like, well, uh, not, not so much. It's yeah. not like, yes. You yeah. know, I want them to be... Yes, this yeah. is delicious, and this is user-friendly. And so I do try them out a lot of times. We've had yeah. a few recipe contests over the years. Okay. And they're not all complicated recipes. There are some that are very simple. I mean, yes. we've had some blueberry salad things that... Yeah, uh, excellent. Like I did Summer of Salads a couple of summers ago. And each year now, I've for three years, I've had a uh, recipe of the year. Okay. And I make it on a nice recipe card. I get it printed and everything to give out. So I've done blueberry salsa. I had a fabulous blueberry coffee cake. Okay. And then this last year, it was a summer fruit galette. And I'm still working on my one for this summer. So I'll be releasing that, you know, usually in June or at the kickoff of the season. Okay. 
and trying to give that out to all customers. And it's fun to give with gifts and things too. Yeah. But um, yeah, right. It's just an ongoing. Always looking for a good recipe. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Now I'm getting hungry. So. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I also wanted to jump in. Um, uh, every kind of like every business, every farm, and the way you guys do things, you guys have to put. You guys put so much thought into why and how you do things. So, what are some of the things that makes uh, Hazel Blue Acres a unique farm? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things, then maybe this is. It would be bragging for him to say growing up there, but no, it's a gorgeous place. <laughs> it is a beautiful spot to come yeah. and pick. We're right on the river, and people enjoy it so much. Like we spoke about COVID before, it was a wonderful place for people to come and be outside and yeah. for kids to run and for people just to enjoy a beautiful place when maybe people were feeling a little cooped up. Yeah, <laughs> just a little. Yeah. And it, it is. It's a nice spot. Um, the, as far as uniqueness, um, you know, every farm is unique in its own way, but the special things, I mean, it's, we are very close to the freeway, so it's, you know, access is pretty easy. We're at the end of a dead end road, so the first time people come there, they say it seems like a long ways back there. Yeah. I mean, we're five minutes off of I-5, so (laughs) it's not very far, but it's, there's a little bit of a windiness to it, and then you get there, and and uh, so you can be there quickly. Uh, we have people that come from, you know, south of Seattle, um, a lot from, you know, Seattle North and Camino Island people come out there. And, yeah. you know, so once you arrive there, it's it's quiet and peaceful. I mean, the river surrounds it. And um, there's there's just a little nice beautiful magical quality to it yeah and every once in a while i have an overwhelming feeling of i don't know if you want to say just being honored that people take the time to drive all that way and come to our farm yeah because some people do come from a long way and i'm open in the off season on tuesdays and saturdays people will make a trip to get eggs or to get you know, there are blueberries there. They take the time, and I, I really appreciate that. Sometimes I just feel overwhelmed by, wow, they came all the way out here, and I'm, I'm so yeah. thankful. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I do brag occasionally that <laughs> our our blueberries are the best that you will ever taste. I mean, and, and maybe it's the, you know, it's a combination of the soil and, um, you know, we. I mean, we take really good care of our blueberry plants, and yeah. um, you know they're we're grown organically, and they have been since they were planted. Um, they're, uh, yeah, they're they will be some of the best blueberries you've ever eaten, if not the best. <laughs> very cool. We've so got that's three varieties. A unique quality. Okay. Yeah, we do. All very different. Okay. From, you know, the beginning of the season, it's what we call our sweet tart variety of Rika. Okay. And they're in bloom right now. And then Draper in the middle, and there they tend to be larger. Although last summer all the berries were good sized, and they're all sweet. A lot of people love that because you can you can fill up your bucket really fast with those Drapers, and yep. they're very popular. And then Liberty is the final one, and we pick Liberties into September. Okay. And some people think that when summer's over, 
blueberries are over, but we have that nice late season. That's his favorite variety, that last one. It is beautiful and delicious. Nice. Very cool. So um, kind of looking ahead then, uh, you guys have obviously come a very long way to get to where you are with, with the farm. What do you guys kind of see as the future of Hazel Blue Acres? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know one thing for sure. It'll keep evolving and changing things over the years, even down to what products we offer and partnerships we have. It has evolved. Like Lopez Island Creamery buys blueberries from us, buys hazelnuts. They make our ice cream that we sell. Yes. The last summer we just started a partnership with Wild Crow Organic Pie Company. They make pies for us now. They buy berries from us. We buy the pies back. Um, we are just always kind of looking for the next opportunity, and it, it's just evolved over time. Do you have any thoughts on that, dear? Um, yeah, I mean, if when you say future, do you mean next year, five years, ten years, twenty-five years? I mean, every there's there's one thing I can say is the the blueberry plants you know can produce for you know up to 75 years so they're a long-lived plant um the hazelnuts are a 35 year kind of lifespan um and and a little bit longer potentially they will outlive us so yes so so there's a there's a legacy there yeah you know it's something that will be um, I mean, they'll, they're, they're hitting their stride now, and they will continue p- to produce um, well as long as someone cares for them. I mean, I, I hope that there will always be someone that wants to, to care for them. That's, that's uh, you know, there's a whole lot of benefits to perennial plants uh, yeah. and those kind of plantings of things that, uh, I mean, environmentally... I mean, the, the good for the soil. I mean, they're, you know, they're retaining carbon and yeah. all of those things. So I, I hope that, you know, I would, if, when you say long-term future, I, I would hope that one of our children wants to continue yeah. the work and, um, and that we are doing all the right things to set it up so that it, it's a, a viable entity yeah. to carry on. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's a lot of work that we've put in. And the things that we have done may be different than, you know, um, our children or or somebody else that takes it over would, you know, maybe they decide to market things in a different way or do things. Um, and who's to say that it, they, they could very well do it better than we do. Yeah. Um, there's lots of opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and I think, you know, especially I think there's been a lot in the news and stuff of like food shortages, things like that. Like the more farmers, the more people like you guys that start with no farm and then create a farm out of really nothing is um, is is really, really important that that we get more people that are interested and passionate about farming. And um, so I just, I really appreciate you guys of what you guys have done. It's really neat to hear um, all that you guys have done and, and where you guys are at. And I'm looking forward to see what you guys do in the future too. Thank you. So, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. 
<laughs> Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> they can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Do you have one, dear? I know. I appreciate the new cover I got for my Pampered Chef food chopper. Nice. <laughs> I wore it out. So I needed a new one. I was trying I, to think if if it costs. I, th- I don't think it was less than a hundred dollars. Around a hundred dollars. Sure. I mean, really, a really simple one that um, you know I do a lot of stuff around the farm, working on stuff, building stuff, and I I've come to really appreciate and love my cordless Dewalt tools, and yep. I finally broke down and got a Dewalt cordless skill saw. <clears throat> and, man, it's nice to not have to find an ex- <laughs> find the extension cord, stretch it out, have <laughs> and have a long cord you're dragging around. Uh, yeah, I, there, there are some tools that are really, really uh, worthwhile having. Yeah. I like there was the cooking sh- tools. He likes the I building like, tools. Yes. <laughs> was it Tim, the tool man, that said there's no such thing as a tool you, don't, you never need or don't need? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? If it, I would, it would be kind of funny, and I'd be embarrassed to tell them ever. But I mean, I had a lot, peop- <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people that were teachers and stuff that I, I would consider. I mean, a, a couple that I remember, but you know. It, when you, when I was telling my story of of going to college and then all of a sudden, a sudden switching gears and yeah. becoming a commercial fisherman, and that friend of my brother's uh, that you know suggested I get a job on a fishing boat. I mean that tiny little suggestion there, yeah. seemingly innocuous, <laughs> yeah, uh, had a, a pretty large impact on my life these last thirty seven years or whatever it's been. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think of a person, uh, her name is Arlie, and she is someone that I met in college at Lutheran Bible Institute, and she is just a fabulous listener and is so insightful. Mm-hmm. And so often when I need someone to bounce someone something off of, I'll call her, or I think right away to call her. Yeah. So definitely... Early. That's awesome. All right. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. So it is, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Mm. I would like to compete in the luge competition in the Olympics. Okay. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> that I, because I, that would be fun. And I, when I was harvesting brine shrimp on the Great Salt Lake. Uh, is it Park City? There's a luge course there. And I almost went there to go. I didn't know that you wanted to ride in the luge. Well, I, I've I always would do thought it. that would be this the coolest thing. <laughs> Probably break uh, my I neck. Miss, I missed the opportunity there to go do that. And I, um, I, I don't know. Um, I've... I've Yes, I would consider myself pretty fortunate in a lot of the things that I've wanted to do, I've done. And maybe I don't have any crazy wants. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, no, I, I, 
get to be a commercial fisherman in Alaska, and I get to be a farmer, and I love them both. And That's awesome. So. And he gets to live with me. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> the best part, right? All right. Who's an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Have you ever interviewed Jessica Frank from Copper House in Stanwood? No. She's got a little small business there. She is a real go-getter, kind, creative person. I think you'd have a lot of fun interviewing her. She's, she's one of those people whose timing was uh, completely wrong in that I think she started it in, like, January of 2020. Okay. Her new business. Uh, her new business. <laughs> and, you know, she I mean, is just... And, uh, and I think most people would have given up. Yeah. And she didn't. She's um, tenacious. She's You'd so have fun with her. We met her yeah. through the farm. Okay. I mean, she's had a lot. I mean, it's been a struggle. I mean, yeah. if you can, you know, the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. For those certain businesses <laughs> yeah. and without any help like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? You mean like what stock to buy? <laughs> it could be that Microsoft, well. I, you know. <laughs> I think we both would agree it would have to do with investments. Uh, you know, being daring, maybe. And if it wasn't something that he probably would have been more ready to do that as a 20 year old, maybe, than I would. But yeah, find someone that knows a little something about that and go for it. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Get it going. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. I hope you'll come see us at the farm. Yeah, I'd love to. Come bring the kids and everything. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Karen and Spencer Fuentes for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And be sure to follow me on the Insta. Follow at the Camino Voice uh, on the Instagram. And I'm going to be doing my three, four-week challenge, three posts a week. See how that goes. So be sure to do that. All right. For anything else in this episode, you can go to CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. That's CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.